Chapter 6 of Insect Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lisa Caputo. Insect Stories by Vernon Kellogg. The Orange Dwellers. The Orange Dwellers. An entire colony of those strange little people, the Orange Dwellers, were killed in our town yesterday morning and not a newspaper reporter found it out. Just one of the orange dwellers escaped, and as Mary and I were the means of saving his life, and are taking care of him as well as we can, Mary has him now on a small piece of orange rind in a pillbox, he has told us the story of his life and something about the other orange-dwelling people. Some of the orange dwellers live in Mexico, some live in Florida, and some in California. In fact, they are to be found wherever oranges grow. Of course, you have guessed already that the orange dwellers are not human beings, they are not really people, they are insects. The name of the orange dweller we have saved, and with whom we became very well acquainted, is so long and strange that I shall tell you merely his nickname, which is Citrinus. The oranges on which Citrinus, and a great many of his brothers and sisters and cousins lived, grew in Mexico, and when these oranges were ripe, they were gathered and packed into boxes and sent to our town. Imagine, if you can, the fearful strangeness of it, to have one's word plucked from its place in space, wrapped up in tissue paper, and packed into a great box with a lot of other words, then sent off through space to some other place, where enormous giants were waiting impatiently for breakfast. When Citrinus's word reached our town, one of these giants, who is my brother, took it up and saying, See what a specked orange, straightway began unwittingly to kill all of the orange dwellers on it by vigorously rubbing and scrapping it. For Citrinus and his companions were the specks. That is all an orange dweller seems to be when carelessly looked at, simply a little circular scale-like blackish or reddish-brown speck on the shining surface of the orange, his word. You can find the orange dwellers almost any morning at breakfast. When my brother began to scrape off the specks, I hastily interfered, but only in time to save one of the little people, Citrinus, whom, as I have said, Mary has since faithful cared for. He will soon die, however, for he has lived already nearly three months, and that is a ripe age for an orange dweller. But, he has had time enough to tell me a great deal about his life, and as it is such a curious story, and it is undoubtedly true, I venture to repeat it here to you. As a matter of fact, I must confess, still Mary says that of course Citrinus can talk, because he talks with other orange dwellers in later in the story, and so of course can talk to us now. Citrinus has lived for almost his whole life on the orange on which we found him. His mother lived on one of the fragrant leaves of the tree on which the orange grew. She was, as Citrinus is now, simply a reddish-brown circular speck on the bright green orange leaf, and because she couldn't walk, she had to get all her food in a peculiar way. She had a long, that is, long for such a tiny creature, slender, pointed hollow beak or sucking tube, which she thrust right into the tender orange leaf, 
and through which she sucked up the rich sap or juice which kept flowing into the leaf from the twig it hung on. She had thus a constant supply of food, always ready and convenient. Whenever she was hungry, she simply sucked orange sap into her mouth until she was satisfied. This is the way all the orange dwellers get their food, the very youngest of the family being able to take care of itself from the day of its birth. They never test any other kind of food, but the juice from the leaf or twig or golden orange on which they live. Citrinus is one of a large number of brothers and sisters, more than fifty indeed, who were etched from tiny reddish eggs with the mother laid under her own body. Before laying the eggs, Citrinus's mother had built a thin shell or roof of wax over her back, and after the eggs were laid she soon died, and her body shriveled up, leaving the eggs safely housed under the waxen roof. When the baby orange dwellers were hatched, each had six legs and a delicate little sucking beak projecting from his small plump body. Citrinus and his brothers and sisters scrambled out from under the wax shell and started out, each for himself, to explore the world. First, however, each thrust his beak into the leaf and took a good drink of sap. Then they were ready to begin their journeying. But a terrible thing happened. Just as Citrinus was pulling his beak out of the soft leaf, he saw a great six-legged beast, in shape like a turtle, with shining red and black back and fearful snapping jaws. On each side of its head, which it moved slowly from side to side, it had an immense eye, which looked like a hemispherical window, with hundreds of panes of glass in it. The beast's legs were large and powerful, and on each foot there were two claws, each of them as long as the whole body of Citrinus. Truly, this was an appalling sight, and all of the little orange dwellers ran as fast as they could, which, unfortunately, wasn't very fast. The beast leisurely caught up in its great jaws one after another of Citrinus's brothers and sisters, and crushed and tore their tender bodies to pieces and ate them. Now, this beast, which seemed so large to Citrinus, was what is to us a very small and pretty insect, one of the ladybird beetles. These beetles care for no other food than plump orange dwellers and other equally too some small insects. And instead of being sorry for its victims, we are glad it eats them. This seems very cruel indeed, but there are so many, many millions of the orange dwellers all sucking the juice of orange trees that although they are so small, and each one drinks so little sap, yet altogether they do a great amount of damage to the orange trees, often killing all the trees in a large orchard. So the ladybirds are a great help to the orange growers. Little Citrinus escaped from the beetle by crawling into a small, dark hole in the surface of the leaf, but he was badly frightened. This was her first experience with the terrible dangers of the world, with the struggle for life, which is going on so bitterly among the people of his kind, the insects. For, although there would seem to be enough plants and trees to serve as food for all of them, many insects find it easier, or prefer to eat other insects, than to live on plant food. Now, because the insects which live on plant food do injury to our fruit, trees and vegetables and grain crops by their eating, we call them injurious insects. 
while we call the insect-eating kinds beneficial insects, because they destroy the injurious insects. But little Citrinus didn't look at the matter at all in this light. He thought the ladybird beetle a very cruel and wicked being, and resolved to warn every orange-dweller he met in his travels to beware of the cruel, turtle-shaped beast with a shining black and red back. As he wandered on from leaf to leaf along the tender twigs in the top of the tree, he met many other orange-dwellers, whom he would have told all about the beetle, but he found that all of them had had experiences as sad as his. In fact, he soon learned that of all the orange-dwellers who are born, only a very, very few escape the beetles and other devouring beasts who pursue them, and he was highly indignant when one shrewd orange-dweller told him that it really was a good thing for the race of orange-dwellers that so many of them were killed. For, the shrewd orange-dweller said, if all of us who are born should live and have families, and not die until old age came on, there would soon be so many of us that we should eat all the orange-trees in the world, and then we should all starve to death. And this is quite true. Finally, Citrinus came to a remarkable being, a very beautiful being indeed. It had two long, slender, waving feelers on its head, four large, ball-shaped eyes, and, strangest of all, two delicate, gauzy wings. This beautiful creature greeted Citrinus kindly, and asked him where he was going. Citrinus, who was at first a little afraid of the strange creature, was reassured by its kind greeting, and answered simply, I don't know. My brothers and sisters were all eaten by the beetle. My father and mother I have never seen, and no one has told me where to go. The stranger smiled a little sadly, and said, That is the common story among us orange-dwellers. Our fathers and mothers always die before we are born. It is a great pity. Yes, before my little orange-dweller children are born. What? cried Citrinus. Are you an orange-dweller, you, who are so different from me? Indeed I am, replied the gauzy-winged creature. I am an old orange-dweller. Oh, I know it seems strange to you, he continued, noticing the look of astonishment on Citrinus's face, but some day you will look just like me. You will have wings and be able to fly, and will have long feelers on your head to hear and to smell with, and big eyes to see all around you with. You will have some strange experiences, though, before you become like me. But, as I had started to say, we fathers, and the mothers too, for that matter, always die before you youngsters are aged out of your heads. Now I shall probably die tomorrow, or next day, because I have lived three days already, and that is a long time to live without eating. Little Citrinus, could hardly believe his senses. It was so wonderful. But why don't you eat? urged Citrinus, who felt very badly to think of any one's going without food for three days. He always took a drink of sap every few minutes. Why, how absurd! replied the winged orange dweller. Don't you see I have nothing to eat with? No sucking beak, no mouth at all. When I get my wings and my four eyes, I lose my mouth and can't eat or drink any more. This was incredible, but when Citrinus looked at the head of his companion, he saw it was perfectly true. He had no mouth. 
Citrinus gently waved his little sucking beak, to be sure he still had it. Suddenly he began to cry. A sad thought had come to him. And did my mother starve to death too? He sobbed. Not at all, little one, rather impatiently exclaimed the other. Little Citrinus seemed to know so very little, indeed. Your mother was not at all like me. When she was full grown, she had no wings, no legs, and no eyes, but she had a very long beak, and could suck up a great deal of orange sap. If you will listen, and not interrupt, I will tell you how we orange-dwellers grow. When we are hatched from our eggs, we are all alike, brothers and sisters. We each have a plump little body, six legs, two eyes, and a sucking beak to get food with. We walk about for a few days, and finally stop on some nice green leaf or juicy orange, and stick our beaks far in, and go to sleep, or do something very like it. We never walk about any more. Indeed, if you are a girl orange-dweller, you never leave this spot, but live all the rest of your life and die here. However, I am getting too far along in my story. While we are asleep, we shed all of our skin, fold it up into a little ball or cushion, and put it on our backs, together with some wax which comes out of a small holes in our bodies. While shedding our skin, we make a great change in our bodies. We lose our legs, so we simply remain where we went to sleep, with our beaks stuck into the leaf, sucking the sap. After a few days, we go to sleep again, and again we shed our skin and fold them on our backs. But, at this time, something even more wonderful than before happens to our bodies. That is, to the bodies of the boy orange-dwellers. For, this time, we lose our sucking beaks, but we regain our six legs, and in addition we get a second pair of eyes, we find on our heads a pair of long, slender, hairy feelers, and most pleasing of all, we have been provided with a pair of wings. Our wings are not yet full grown or ready to fly with, so we still remain quietly in our resting place for a few days longer, when we shed our skin once more, and then fly away, looking just as I do now. Our sisters, though, when they shed their skins the second time, make no change in their bodies, except to grow larger. They remain with their sucking beaks thrust into the leaf. They keep increasing the size of the wax scale or shell over their backs, until they are entirely covered by it. Now they look just as your mother did. From above, all one can see is the flat circular wax scale with two spots on it, where the folded-up cast skins are. Underneath the scale lies the orange-dweller, with its sucking beak stuck into the sap but we no legs or wings or long, hairy feelers. After a while, she lays a lot of eggs under her body, and then dies, and soon the new family is born. Now this is the way we grow, and all of the wonderful things which have happened to me will happen to you, if the beetle does not get you. With that the winged orange-dweller flew away, and little Citrinus was left alone, wandering over the strange story, after taking a drink of sap from the leaf on which he was standing, he wandered aimlessly about until he came to a large yellow ball hanging from the branch, which gave out a delightful odour. Scrambling down the slender stem by which it was suspended, he walked out on to the shining surface of the orange, for 
of course, that is what the yellow bowl was. He tried a drink of sap from the bowl and found it delicious. He decided to stay on the bowl, the more readily as he was getting rather tired with his long travelling, and a sort of sleepy feeling was coming over him. So, thrusting his beak far into the bowl, he went to sleep. How long he slept, he doesn't know, but when he awoke, he could hardly believe his senses. He had no legs, and on his back there was a thin shell of wax and a little packet. He realized, too, that he was bigger than he was before he went to sleep. Then the strange story told him by the winged orange dweller came back to him, and he knew that the stranger had told the truth. The first great change had happened, for he thought it would be very pleasant to have wings and fly about wherever he wished to see the world. Suddenly a great shock came. His world trembled, then shook violently, and with a quick wrench started to move swiftly through space. Then came a stop, a series of shocks and curious whirlings, and then a filmy white cloud settled down over it all, shutting out the sunlight and the blue sky. Finally, there came a few more shocks and wrenches, and then total darkness and silence. Citrinus had held on to his world all through this, because his beak was still thrust into the fragrant surface, and now he felt thankful that he had come alive through this series of world catastrophes and convulsions, and still had all the food he could possibly use. After a few days, when Citrinus's world all nicely wrapped in tissue paper and packed in a box with ninety-nine other similar worlds, had travelled a thousand miles, the sunlight came again, and soon after came that greatest danger of all, that danger from which I saved him by staying my brother's hands in his ruthless rubbing off of the specks on his breakfast orange. Now Citrinus and Mary and I are all waiting impatiently for the day when he shall get his beautiful wings and his two pairs of eyes. End of recording. End of the Orange Dwellers.